The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Hi, I'm Dr. Hal Schurz, and I'm welcoming you back into the Doctor's Lounge. Um, the Doctor's Lounge is um, brought to you each week by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, and the uh, show is um, intended to inform you about the things that you need to know regarding your health care and the health care of your family. Um, we try to uh, uh, present to you information that doctors used to talk about in doctors' lounges before we were silenced for speaking our minds. But these are the things that we still talk about and think about privately in places that are safe places for people who have rational thoughts. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country, and we stand for the doctor-patient relationship as well as healthcare freedom for all Americans. Docs for Patient Care Foundation is working constantly to try to further health care freedom and and uh, work towards sane public policy for our health care, and our um, survival is dependent on your support. More than ever, it's important for you to uh, go to our website at www the number four pcfoundation.org and please keep us going help make docs for patient care vibrant and i'm going to explain why this is so important momentarily but we really can use your support and your help so please make sure that you are um reading about the things that are on the website please um listen to this show which we bring to you each week and talk about the issues that are important in healthcare and support what we're doing. My last show, which was uh, four weeks ago because I had to take the, my, my uh, uh, turn in, in behind the microphone off two weeks ago, but my last show was a tribute show that was dedicated to the Docs for Patient Care Executive Director Felicia Horton who sadly passed away last month. And I want to thank those of you who called into that show to share thoughts and memories about Felicia during the show. I've received so many compliments on that show from people that I hadn't heard from in such a very long time, as well as from people who I never met before who knew Felicia and reached out to me and um, and wanted me to know how moved they were from uh, what we said about Felicia on the show. The show was circulated via the various um, uh, outlets where our podcasts live to Felicia's friends and they were also touched by the show. Her husband, Jeff, a retired naval officer, um, made sure that the show 
got into the hands of as many people as possible. And um, so many of these people had never heard of the Doctor's Lounge before listening to that tribute show, many of whom I had the pleasure and honor of meeting this past weekend at a memorial service to Felicia in Alabama. Many of these people are um, former um, uh, retired military heroes, in my opinion, in the Army, the Navy, and the Marines. And um, they um, all said that uh, the doctor's lounge was um, a, uh, an important show and something that needed to continue to, um, to move forward. And I was, I was really moved um, by hearing the compliments and the things that they were saying about the show. People who actually were regular listeners even before that podcast was circulated to them by Jeff. And it always surprises me when people come up to me and they tell me that they're listeners and they comment on the shows. And I still can't get used to that idea that what we're saying on this show is so important and and um, and it's registering with so many people. And I want to thank you for your support and I want to um, uh, encourage you to get your friends to listen to this show because the ideas that we talk about regarding health care, we talk about other things as well because sadly... Um, healthcare is pushed into the background, although it is still of of utmost importance. But we we can't uh, ignore the other issues that are going on around us, and we talk about those on this show, just like doctors such as myself talk about them with their physician colleagues on a regular basis. And Felicia was so devoted to docs for patient care. Her husband, Jeff, um, shared with me that when I came into her life almost 14 years ago with Docs for Patient Care, it really altered the trajectory of her life, and it gave her a purpose. It gave her a sense of, of, um, of doing something that was so important, which is to work towards informing the public about health care, sh- trying to shape public policy. And, and I, I um, know that that was really very, very important to her and, and important to me. And her husband, Jeff, asked people who wish to honor Felicia to make a contribution to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation in her memory. Um, you can go to our website at www.pcfoundation.org and make a contribution to Felicia Horton and remember her because this is what she would have wanted and this is what she was working towards um, coming out of the pandemic, um, reinvigorating the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and rededicating it towards working um, full time to um, make health care 
better, make it a priority, because this is truly the last stand that we have as Americans against the Marxist takeover of our country. Um, I would love to see people step it up and make a big splash honoring Felicia. And I'm going to lead the way. I'm not going to tell you how much I'm going to contribute, but I am going to make an example of of what I'm uh, preaching, and I hope that others will follow suit. Um, if... Uh, if I am the heart of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, then Felicia was truly the soul. And and so th- this is why I think that it's important to um, be able to generate the funds necessary to keep her memory alive in the form of a vibrant Docs for Patient Care Foundation. And here's why it's so important why we raise funds to support the organization. We're gearing up for the next direct primary care conference this fall as we come out of the pandemic. The pandemic really forced us to shut down these very successful direct primary care conferences that we were so well known for. The one that we are trying to put together will be more centrally located in Texas, in Dallas, rather than in Florida, because I think that some people from the left coast found it um, a little more difficult to get to Florida and hopefully will not have the same kind of problems getting to Texas. But it will um, be in Texas, and it promises to be the best conference that we've yet put together. Our conference is are well known as being the the leaders in the industry of direct primary care. They even exceed the kind of conferences that the um, that the the, the uh, family medicine people put on. What is this conference? And unfortunately, it's open only to physicians. I wish it was open to the general public. I know so many people out there listening to this show are not physicians. Um, But we um, uh, will have opportunities for people to learn about this conference and educate themselves about direct primary care on our website and and through other outlets that that our um, organization puts out on on the internet but this meeting is for primary care doctors um, and not just primary care doctors it could be for any physician or their staff or the people who work with them and who are wishing to learn about primary care or enhance their primary care practice Direct primary care is a, a de- healthcare delivery model where primary care doctors um, no longer work with insurance companies. Some people like to call it concierge medicine. It's not concierge medicine. It is different because concierge medicine, in the true um, definition, are doctors who are still taking care of patients who have insurance, but charging uh, additional fees to 
um, see those patients. It's an access fee. That's not how direct primary care works. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the second half of the show. But our meeting is a conference of doctors who've come together to learn how to improve their their um, direct primary care practices and collaborate with like-minded physicians who are more than happy to share their knowledge and advance the model of direct primary care. And um, it's, it's an unbelievable um, conference like no other. Our previous conferences have been tremendous successes. They've been led by Lee Gross, who is the president of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and the founder of Epiphany Health in Florida, in, in, uh, uh, on the west coast of Florida, in um, oh, blocking on uh, West Westport, um, uh, Florida. And uh, it's one of the first direct primary care practices in the U.S., um, he is considered by many to be one of the founders of the direct primary care movement. And he's brought together people who are the th- most prominent thought leaders in direct primary care. And this year, instead of just didactics, just teaching, we're going to have some surprises, which we think will make this conference even more valuable for the attendees. We're planning to offer master classes where attendees can select courses, choose up, choose sign up for courses that are led by some of the leading surgical specialists and learn skills and uh, knowledge and techniques from surgical specialists in all the different surgical specialties, um, things that direct primary care doctors offer in their practices to their patients. And this will be an incredible opportunity for doctors to um, hone their skills or learn new skills so that they can become better direct primary care doctors and give better care to their patients. And we will have even more enhancements to our conference that is already a spectacular one. So please follow us on the Docs for Patient Care Foundation website and look for updates and sign-up information. And while you're there, make a tribute contribution to Felicia Horton. But I'll continue to keep you informed as well on this show. Um... So, pop quiz. Who was the most successful president in American history? I'll give you a second to think about this. What's the answer? Barack Obama. That's right. Barack Obama, the most successful president in American history. Why do I say that? What did he say when he was campaigning for president. He said that he wanted to fundamentally change America. You remember that, don't you? Well, what president, when they were campaigning for their office and got elected, actually fulfilled 
their campaign promises and lived up to the goals that they set for themselves. I can't think of anybody. There were great presidents. Ronald Reagan was a great president. There are other great presidents in our history. But they fell short of what their goals were. They did not accomplish things that they necessarily sought out to accomplish. Barack Obama did. He said he was going to change America. He was going to fundamentally change America. And you know what? He succeeded. He did it. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm happy about that. Far from it. I'm not saying that I I condone what he did. I think it's despicable. But he succeeded. He was he 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 um was able to um, fulfill his campaign promises. But you know what? As successful as Obama was, Biden has surpassed him in doing everything that he could do to run this country into the ground and destroy everything that he touches. You might not like Trump. There's lots of people who don't like Trump. It's, it really doesn't matter whether you like him or you don't like him. I think that it is, it is indisputable that we were doing just fine as a country with his policies up until COVID. And that threw a monkey wrench in things. But nonetheless, things were really going well. From day one of Biden's presidency, he reversed as many Trump-era policies as he possibly could and threw this country into a downward spiral. Now, I think that most sane people would be able to be honest and realize that this is not Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not doing this. It's the people behind the scenes who are doing it. It's his handlers. And you can have your own um, theories about who those people behind the scenes are, who those handlers are. Um, It really doesn't matter the who it matters the what what they are the people behind the scenes are the ones pulling the string strings and biden is the puppet whose mouth constantly moves the people behind the scenes whoever they are are marxists and i think that we have to stop being polite i think we have to not Uh, be afraid to use language that is inflammatory that calls out who these people really are because the Marxists the left have no problem doing that to people who are conservatives they've labeled every single person who supported Trump era policies as racists or as 
as um, domestic terrorists. They use language that is so hyperbolic and so over the top and so inflammatory, and we as conservatives just take it. We just allow them to do it without fighting back. I think it's time to stop that. And don't call these people progressives. Don't call these people Democrats. Don't call these people liberals. Call them for what they are. They are Marxists. And the more we use that language, and the more we get that into our vocabulary, and the more that people start using that language and understanding that language, the sooner we will be able to convert people who are in the middle, who don't like seeing what's going on, to the correct side of things. You know, Biden is is um, not only succeeding in destroying the country, but he is actually one of the best recruiters to the Republican Party. He has created more Republicans in the past 18 months than any Republican effort has done over the last 100 years. People are sick and tired of what they're seeing on a daily basis. And honest people see this. America is is going down the tubes. The Marxists are destabilizing our country. Why would they want to do this? Why why do you think that that this is happening? It's because America represents everything that Marxists hate. Personal freedom, capitalism, religious freedom, free speech. They hate that. They hate that about this country. America is the beacon of hope for all people all over the world. They're beating down our doors trying to get into this country. And people who stand up and tell us what a bad country we are, shame on them. They're, they're liars. They're lying to you. This is the best country in, Amer- in the world. And the Marxists want to take it down. It's a melting pot. America is an idea. It's more than a country. And the Marxists hate it. It's the antithesis of who the Marxists are. And if America can be taken down, then the Marxist dream of a one world order becomes closer to becoming reality. With individual liberties destroyed and a government that's in charge of everything, with a ruling class at the very top. My One of my gurus that I love to listen to is Dennis Prager, who always famously says that the bigger the government, the smaller the individual. And that's what Marxists stand for. So how will they do it, you may ask? It's by destroying our institutions and then having government come to the rescue to, quote, air quote, help fix things. 
Ronald Reagan always famously said, um, beware of somebody who comes to you and says, um, uh, don't worry, um, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help you. By making the government or making the people more dependent on government, individual liberties evaporate. The Marxists already control so much of our country. They control the media. And God knows why are these people in the media so in lockstep wanting to see our country destroyed? It doesn't make any sense. But nonetheless, they control the media. They control big tech. They control education. They're indoctrinating our children. They control our cities. They have infiltrated our military leadership, as well as corporate boardrooms. They've infected sports, which was the 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 way that people escaped reality. It's they now they now are in the very middle of all sports. What they don't control are the people. But what they are doing are attacking every aspect of American life, making people insecure, and looking to government for solutions. The Marxists are dividing people by race, by gender. We don't even know what gender is anymore. They've confused everybody about this. They're dividing people by sexual orientation which they shouldn't be doing because we don't know what gender is. They are masterful at using identity politics, which makes us weaker, not stronger. Remember after 9-11, how we all came together as Americans? So many people who are um, young people today weren't alive when that happens. They don't remember. They have no no understanding of how we all banded together after 9-11, after, um, you know, such a, such a tragedic, tragedy affecting our country, how we left our differences at the door and we all came together as Americans. That was, that was something that Marxists just absolutely hated. They hated Americanism. They hated the fact that we were uniting, and they have worked tirelessly at trying to destroy that sense of unity that we were trying to recapture back then and and deprive us of, of that sense of Americanism. What have the Marxists done just in the last 18 months? 18 months! They've printed more money than the economy could absorb, leading to inflation, recession, and destabilization of our economy. And it's not just our economy. When, when America is weakened economically, the whole world suffers. The, the Marxists have shut down our energy sector, resulting in soaring gas prices, causing so much pain at the pumps, and direct increases in shipping costs, 
which then lead to costs um, soaring for the price of goods, furthering inflation, furthering recession, and furthering the economic um, hardships of families all across the country. The stock market has plunged in response to this. Joe Biden was was doing a victory lap a year ago, saying how the stock market was higher under his watch than under uh, Donald Trump. Well, he's not saying that anymore. With trillions of dollars of value evaporated, disappeared from people's retirement accounts, which, by the way, the government still has not abandoned the hope of taking over. Yes, the government would like to appropriate your retirement accounts and roll them into the Social Security um, system so that the government can take care of you instead of you taking care of yourself. But it, as the you know, so many people who are on fixed incomes who are re- depending on their retirement nest eggs, they are right now very nervous about what is happening in the economy. We know that it comes back eventually. That's just America, assuming, of course, that we don't get a Marxist takeover of our country. But nonetheless, this is something that concerns and troubles so many people who have saved and planned for their future, putting away money into into retirement accounts, into pension funds, into other vehicles that they could count on to um, live out their golden years. That That is in danger right now, thanks to the Marxists. Supply chains have dried up, in part due to shutdowns by power-hungry politicians, while in other cases, these are shortages, supply chain shortages that are manufactured by government, as in the case of the FDA, which is now an arm of the Marxist regime, who, as you remember, recently have shut down Abbott over bogus claims that their formula was tainted. And that wasn't even proven. But nonetheless, they manufactured this whole crisis. And now there's a critical shortage of baby formula in this country. Can you imagine we can't feed our babies in America? Are you kidding me? That's the kind of discord. That's the kind of chaos the Marxists are trying to sow. I'm going to tell you more about this and why healthcare is our last stand against the Marxist takeover of our country in the second segment of our show. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to The Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. Today I'm talking to you about what we are seeing around us all the time, which is the degradation of America by the Marxists who are in control of our institutions, including the government especially the government, and how, despite the fact that the majority of people on the left of center don't identify as Marxists, the Marxists have taken over. They are the enemy at the gate. And the sooner we recognize what they are, what they are doing, who they are, then the better we will be to combat that and try to turn this around before it is too late. So I was enumerating the ways that the Marxists have taken down our country, have dragged it down in just the last 18 months, talking about inflation, talking about the energy sector, talking about the stock market and supply chains, They have sowed chaos by selectively prosecuting crimes in this country and allowing the rise of lawlessness around the country. Just look at the Supreme Court, how they fail to enforce laws on our books, which is intimidating justices. We have the White House... And we have the Speaker of the House encouraging people to to march, to to protest outside of justices' homes, and that they're, they're they're not just prosecuting people who are doing it; they're encouraging people to do this, while 
we have people who are destroying our cities, smashing grab robberies, burning down federal courthouses in Portland, in Seattle, in Madison. And and those are not even crimes that are being are being prosecuted. Everything is upside down. The, the Marxists have intentionally blurred the lines of societal norms by promoting gender confusion and making it possible to give children drugs to change their gender, taking away parental authority and turning it over to the state or to the schools. They're teaching our children in school, children as young as five, about sex, things that are not the business of schools to be telling our children. They're taking away the parental oversight. They're showing them things that can be considered pornography and and getting away with it. The left has made it possible to kill a full-term baby if an abortion failed to do so. When our society allows that to happen, this is the the end of a of of a society. It is the end of normal society. The world is upside down. What's wrong is now acceptable behavior. And the more upheaval there is, the closer the Marxists are to realizing their goals of the government stepping in and taking charge of everything. Because when everything goes to pot, people are going to be desperate and looking for help, looking for a savior. And that savior for the Marxists is the government, which brings me, as always on this show, to health care. You never thought I'd get there. I know, but I am. So it's important to um, talk about Marxism and healthcare because, as we've seen in every Marxist-run country, once the government runs healthcare, people are stuck. Everyone needs healthcare, and if people cannot make these decisions for themselves or for their families, because the government is the one that decides what medicine people could get or what treatment they will cover, then guess what? The government owns you. The Biden administration is quietly trying to expand Obamacare through a, quote, administrative fix. And this is what they call the, air quotes, family glitch fix. So the issue is whether an employer's um, offer to provide health care insurance to employees' dependents disqualifies them from Obamacare subsidies. The cost of Obamacare, if you remember way back, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, was a concern. They tried to keep the price tag under a trillion dollars, like that was a magic number, that that was acceptable, right? A trillion dollars. But that's what they were trying to do, keep the price tag under a trillion dollars for 10 years. So Congress limited subsidies to people 
without access to Medicaid or to affordable employer plans. The trick, the language, was the word affordability. Obamacare based affordability on the cost of coverage for the employee alone, just the employee. Both employee and dependents are ineligible for subsidies if the premium payment for the employee exceeded 9.6% of income. I said that the wrong way. If they're, if the if their payments exceeded 9.6% of income, they were available for subsidies. If it stayed under that, for just the employee, not for the whole family, then they could not get the Obamacare subsidies. And as we know, the Obamacare plans are completely unaffordable unless you've got subsidies. Why? Because they offer everything from hair transplant to, you know, um, OB care for seniors. <clears throat> so it is comprehensive, everything covered under the sun, and the insurance companies have to charge for that, and that's why those plans are so expensive and unaffordable unless the government is picking up the tab for all or a good part of those premiums. Now, some have called that family glitch, they've called it the family glitch, because dependents may not have access to either subsidies or affordable coverage. But that's the law. That was what was passed by Democrats, by a Democratic Congress in 2010, and it's the result of compromises necessary that was necessary at the time to get it passed. When the regulations were being written 10 years ago, the progressives, who we now call Marxists, wanted a broader interpretation with affordability based on the cost of entire family coverage. But the IRS and the Treasury stuck to the law. Why? Because progressives, who need to be called Marxists, because that's who they are. They know that personal freedom in health care derails their plan of a takeover of health care. So they needed a change in the language. So now that we've got the Biden administration who have um, politicized and taken over the non-political agencies in our government, like the IRS or the Treasury, these agencies are now political tools of of the Marxists, and they are prepared to undo, quote, settled tax law. The Kaiser Foundation estimated that about 5 million people would be affected if they undo this, quote, family glitch. 90% of them already have coverage in employer health plans. So this fix would actually displace private spending with government spending. And the White House itself projects that only 180,000 people who don't have insurance would get covered by this. And the cost is huge. It will cost us $45 billion by just this one 
political move alone. And so this is an overt politicization of the tax code by the IRS. But this is not new behavior for the Marxists, as we have seen in the Obama White House, who have used the IRS as a political weapon against their enemies, trying to keep um, organizations from attaining 501c3 status if they had a mission that was contrary to the left. The truth is that this health care plan, this health care fix, was part of Build Back Better, which deservedly has died, but it has been resurrected as a standalone effort by the Marxists who will not give up further attempts to control people's health care. They want to convert as many people into Obamacare and into government control of health care as possible. And... Of course, the antidote to government control of health care is that of individuals controlling their own health care, not government, not insurance companies, and not even employers. And the purest form of this is a relationship between the patient and their doctor without any middlemen, and this is what direct primary care is all about. As I've learned recently, there are many new listeners and people who are not familiar with direct primary care who um, don't uh, uh, have a clue what I'm talking about. So for those people, I would like to spend just the last few minutes of the show telling people about direct primary care. And those of you who already know about it, thank you for listening and uh, knowing about it and supporting it. A direct primary care doctor is one who has a direct relationship with their patients. The patient pays a monthly subscription fee, which can range from anywhere from $40 to $100 a month, depending on the location and the practice. No insurance is involved. This fee entitles you to see your doctor as often as needed and for as long a period of time as you need with your doctor, not the seven-minute visits. In order to accomplish this, the doctor will limit their panel of patients to seven or 800. Currently, the only way that a doctor can survive in an insurance model is to churn patients and see between 2,500 and 3,500 patients with seven-minute visits and just run them through their practice. Direct primary care doctors spend 45 minutes to an hour with their patients and get to know their patients and really take proper care of them. Um, The doctor... Your direct primary care doctor provides all the services that they can in their office, taking care of lumps and bumps and um, doing um, minor procedures, uh, giving um, uh, medications, often um, providing certain tests uh, that are included in the subscription fee, like urinalyses or EKGs. The things that the primary care doctor can't do in their office, they arrange with facilities in the community to provide those services at a very low um, fee to the um, patient, whether it's an x-ray facility, pharmacy services, laboratory facilities. Um, Some examples are 
CAT scans that may cost $150 instead of 1000 in the hospital, or a complete blood count, which would cost $2.50 in a cash um, arrangement that a direct primary care doctor was able to negotiate with the lab rather than $55 at the hospital. Many of these direct primary care practices dispense drugs. They order drugs, um, generic drugs, in bulk and give them to their patients as part of the subscription fee or charge them a very, very nominal fee for those drugs, just passing along the cost and not making any money on them. Drugs like for hypertension or um, drugs, you know, for um, for uh, diabetes, oral drugs, um, uh, anti- low-cost antibiotics, things like that. The direct primary care doctors work with specialists who they have arranged to accept um, steeply discounted fees for their services. Um, working with doctors who will um, see the patients for um, a a fraction of what it would cost um, in an insurance model. The Surgery Center of Oklahoma posts their fees online where you can get surgeries without any added um, uh, hidden costs for a fraction, often one-tenth of what it would cost in the hospital. Hip Nation in Atlanta, um, a model that um, incorporates primary care with um, a specialty ecosystem to provide subscribers with care, a care model that's affordable and, and um, outside of insurance. People often ask, well, what happens if I really get sick? What do I do? Well, people could get um, additional insurance outside of direct primary care, either with the Christian health sharing plans or the non-denominational sharing plans like Sidera for a fraction of what it would cost for standard insurance. They can get catastrophic policies or the major medical policies, which the left has in their um, language manipulation called junk insurance. Why is it junk? It's not junk. It's actually insurance plans that people are able to get that allows them to tailor the kind of benefits and care that they believe that they need and not pay for things that they'll never, ever need to use such as a 55-year-old who does not need obstetric care. The amount that people can save by going this route and paying as you go can be life-changing. And by life-changing, I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings. Um, I love to use the example of Dr. Lee Gross, where he had a patient who had... Um, come into his practice, a patient of his who had to visit an emergency room and they went because of of abdominal pain. It turned out, fortunately for the patient, that it was nothing 
but that nothing visit to the emergency room wound up costing them $20,000. And Dr. Gross asked them for their explanation of benefit form, EOB, that everybody gets when they go to see a doctor or go to the hospital. And when Lee broke it down, that same emergency room visit that cost that patient $20,000 could have been taken care of at Dr. Gross's practice for under $300. And that's the difference between the insurance model that we have and direct primary care. The cost of insurance keeps going up and up and up, and so do copays and deductibles. And this is driving people into government-run health care. So let me give you an example. Let me give you a tangible example of what direct primary care may mean to, to people in terms of savings. Let's just say a family of four is purchasing insurance on their own. Well, they can find themselves shelling out as much as $40,000 a year out of pocket before the insurance pays a penny. That would include their insurance premiums. That would include their co-pays. It would include their deductibles. And that's for their visits to the doctors, for testing, for drugs, all of that. And this is, this is unaffordable these days to so many Americans, but that's the cost of, of good health care for so many people. And that's why they have to turn to the government. But what if instead you pay as you go? Because most of the things that we're paying for in insurance you don't need, you don't use. You only need to pay for these things when you get sick, when you are in need. So let's say that family of four does um, has a direct primary care doctor. So that family of four is averaging about $150 per month for direct primary care. It may be a little more, it may be a little bit less, depending on where you are. But just for the sake of this example, let's say that's what it costs. So that means $1,800 a year. Let's say that you are insecure just with the direct primary care. You want to go ahead and have added security with a catastrophic plan or a sharing ministry plan or some other plan like that. That may average about $400 a month. Again, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But for the sake of the example, let's use 400 That would be an additional $4,800 a year. And let's just say that you need to spend out-of-pocket going to see the specialists who are willing to accept um, cut-rate um, fees. I, I don't like using cut-rate, but significantly discounted fees and the drugs that your doctor has been able to negotiate at independent pharmacies, not these big box stores that are uh, corporate run by Marxists in cahoots with the government, and outside testing at independent facilities, not at hospitals. Let's just say that in the course of the year, you spend $5,000 additionally for those services. 
So if you add up those those three areas of spending, 1800, 4800 and 5000, you are under $11,000 a year for your family of four for healthcare in a pay as you go model and you can pocket that difference of $30,000 a year that you would be paying in an insurance model. This this is life-saving, life-altering money. If you were able to put away that $30,000 a year and not spend it and accrue it, and if you have one significant health care crisis over a 10-year period, well, over that 10-year period, you have saved over $300,000 and can easily absorb that crisis that you have, that, that somebody in your family may have. Most families don't have them. For most families, this is workable. And, and um, that is the difference between an insurance model and direct primary care. Unfortunately, this model cannot be tolerated by Marxists. They do not want you to know about this. They do not want you to be allowed to participate. And if you don't know about it, you can't participate. They will make it difficult, if not impossible, to have a DPC doctor. They will use the tyranny of government to punish people who refuse to participate in government health care. This is the one area of our society where people have the greatest opportunity to resist the Marxist takeover of health care in America. We've got to stop the enemy at the gates. It's important to do it at the ballot box. It's important to do it with your individual choices as well. And this is one of those areas where we can resist and we can stop it. So thanks for being with me today in the doctor's lounge and joining me and listening to what we had to say about the Marxist horde taking over our country and destroying it. Join Dr. Scott next week in the docs in the in the doctor's lounge and I'll be back with you in two. Have a great, great day. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.